It's time for Spiritual Awakening Radio. This week's program is titled The Fall and Rise of the Gnostics. Spiritual Awakening Radio explores the world of spirituality, comparative religion, world scriptures, and other books that matter, East and West, God meditation, near-death experiences, the vegan diet, and other ahimsa ethics of nonviolence and thought, word, and deed, education for a more peaceful planet, freedom of the airwaves. It's unhealthy in a democracy for the media, including radio, to be dominated by one or two religious voices as if they are the only ones that exist and no other faith community or point of view matters. If the religion spirituality section of a bookstore was like the radio airwaves are in most places, only one or two books would be found on the shelves. The shelves would be mostly bare, covered in dust. No longer being content with the empty silence, I began recording my own programs. My mission statement. There's not just one religion. There are thousands. After years of being concerned that too few voices, too few points of view were getting heard when it comes to spiritual paths and world religions, that the radio airwaves were not reflecting the diversity that really exists, I started producing my own programs, exploring the world of spirituality, comparative religion, meditation, mysticism, and books bringing to the airwaves the gentle voices of saints, the wisdom of masters or mystics, world scriptures, sacred texts, the great spiritual traditions and classics of the East and the West. My name is James Bean. Welcome to Spiritual Awakening Radio. My website is at this address, spiritualawakeningradio.com. There you'll find links to podcasts of past shows, articles and blogs, links to social media where you can read daily spiritual quotes and announcements about upcoming shows or newly available podcasts on demand. There's a donate button on the website and lots of resources. I have an online library of sacred texts, including Gnostic Gospels. The Fall and Rise of the Gnostics as we explore the world religions on this week's Spiritual Awakening Radio. I suppose I chose the title of this program, The Fall and Rise of the Gnostics, based on an old British sitcom or Britcom from many decades ago called The Fall and Rise of Reginald Perrin, which was very funny, very much along the same line as Monty Python's Flying Circus and Faulty Towers. Catch it if you can, if it's on Netflix or somewhere out there. It's a great series, The Fall and Rise of Reginald Perrin. As for The Fall and Rise of the Gnostics, as I begin by addressing the fall of the Gnostics and this long, dark slog through the matrix of history, orchestrated by an iron hand of fate and its oppressive archon rulers, I do promise, dear listeners, there is light beyond. There is a light beyond, a rising of the Gnostics again, for those brave souls that keep listening. 
Mother India has long been a place of refuge for countless religions and ethnic communities, an oasis where schools of spirituality have had the luxury of existing long enough to develop some fairly advanced yogic and meditation techniques for the purpose of exploring the Atman, the higher self, the divine spark. Some of the world's oldest sacred texts articulating their wisdom preserved in the libraries of Jainism, Hinduism, and Buddhism have been read by countless millions over the ages, over the eons. India has had its share of invading armies and difficulties, of course, but what a difference a few thousand years can make if souls are free to openly follow their path. Amongst the thriving population are even some Gnostic survivors and refugees, and other refugees who travel to India to be free to practice their faith, the faith of their ancestors, including even some Farsis, some devotees of Zoroaster from Iran, also Thomas Christians from Syria, the Syriac Church of the East, the Nestorians and Manichaeans relocating from the Silk Road. In the West, unfortunately, mystical movements, in some cases, could only function secretly behind closed doors, only had at best a few years, decades, or on a couple of blessed occasions, a century or two of freedom, before Thor's hammer would come crashing down. We have a nightmare history written by the victors in praise of the victors, celebrating the defeat of the heretics, quote-unquote. Old patterns of not respecting religious freedom and human rights continue up to the living present. The legacy of oppression and dying lives on. Even as I speak, in Iraq and Syria, there are many minority communities under siege being targeted, just like in the old days, only in places like Iraq and Syria, being targeted for genocide by warrior fanatics. Kurds, the Yazidis, a fascinating sect with Gnostic roots, also currently under duress and persecution. Syrian Orthodox Christians and other forms of Syrian, Armenian, or Nestorian Christianity, with their ancient monastic libraries to preserve. The Sabaeans are also under siege, also known as the Mandaean Gnostics, members of various Shia sects, and Sufi groups, to name a few. All of these are being hunted, being threatened with genocide. Sabaean Mandaeans face extinction as a people, as their small community is scattered throughout the world. Sabaean Mandaeans' ancient language, culture, and religion face the threat of extinction. In 2006, UNESCO listed the Sabaean Mandaean language in its Atlas of the World Languages, in danger of disappearing. Since the outbreak of violence in 2003, most Sabaean Mandaeans have either fled the country or have been killed. Today there are fewer than 5,000 remaining Mandaeans in Iraq. As Christians, Armenians have also found themselves targeted in the recent insurgency of extremist Islamic State, or ISIS, forces. A joint letter by Armenian organizations back in September of 2014 reported that as many as 200,000 Assyrians had been displaced from towns and villages in the Nineveh Plain in northern Iraq as a result of ISIS terrorists.
That's from the minorityrights.org website about human rights. The website of the Minority Rights Group International provides regular updates about the Yazidis, Assyrian, Armenian, and Chaldean Christian communities, and several other groups currently being targeted by extremists of the wrathful tribal demiurge and unforgiving god of death we have known also in the West in centuries gone by. Some religions of the West and East were originally founded roughly at about the same time, 2,000 or 2,500 years ago. And yet some Western counterpart faith communities seem so much younger, still at earlier stages of development, as the wheel keeps needing to be reinvented again and again. There have been holocausts, so many persecutions, prosecutions, pogroms, so many pogroms and ethnic cleansings, Gnostic cleansing, inquisitions, crusades, book burnings, even spectacular library burnings and buryings, schisms, show trials of beleaguered heretics, and the burnings of countless innocent at the stake of bad religion. Not only during medieval times, but going all the way back to the days of the Roman Empire and its occupation of Palestine, we find violence and religious intolerance being accepted as the norm, even by those claiming to represent the pious. One day, during 68 AD, over the hills came the Roman legions to raid the Essene headquarters at Qumran, near the Dead Sea. Now removed from the scene, the Essenes were once another whole branch of Judaism. Close to the ruins of Qumran, near the Dead Sea, is, location, is the location where the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered, the Dead Sea Scriptures, the Dead Sea Scrolls Bible. Several decades ago, those writings were found in various caves, hidden away sometime during the first century A.D. by the Essenes, who knew their days were numbered. Not merely once, not only twice, but on at least three separate occasions, angry mobs have burned the brain and internet of the ancient world, known as the Great Library of Alexandria in Egypt, which only can be described as a tragic lobotomy on a planetary scale. Politicians usually have very little interest in enlightenment, spirituality, much less good scholarship. Eventually, for political reasons, an emperor decided to make himself the ruler of Christianity, a state-church breach amounting to an occupation of another religion, only this time from within. Israel was once occupied from without, now Christianity became occupied from within. The new official religion of the Roman Empire's war on its own Gnostics, mystics, quietists, minority sects, indigenous apostolic churches representing various regions, Ebionites, Valentinians, Sethians, Manichaeans, Cathars, Bogomils, and other so-called heretics, unfortunately was largely successful. These groups have been disappeared. Innovative spiritual movements were declared to be heretical, bad people, informed they could no longer hold any public gatherings, 
everyone was supposed to join the one official church of the empire. Brilliant minds fell out of favor, their voices silenced. During a time in Egypt when heresy hunters were engaging in Gnostic cleansing throughout the land, a hardline bishop in Alexandria issued an edict, Athanasius's infamous Festal Letter of 367 A.D., proclaiming that, out of the hundreds of sacred texts read during those days, from that point forward, only 27 New Testament books were officially to be recognized. The rest of the Gospels, Acts, Revelations, and other scriptures were to be removed from circulation, discarded, and forever banned. The process of creating an official canon of approved books and creating lists of banned and damned books to be rejected was not simply about scholars figuring out which books were genuine and getting people to discard other books. Rather, there was a political motive behind it. What was going on was those following one particular interpretation of Christianity asserting themselves over all, over everyone, by purging the majority of religious and mystical texts in circulation, keeping them out of circulation, keeping only a small percentage of books that seemed helpful to their cause of unity under a single religious franchise for the empire. Scores of the Upanishads and sutras of the Western world, poetry, prayers, psalms, masterfully written spiritual discourses, a wonderful treasure trove of Judeo-Christian and Hermetic literature, representing a multiverse of possibilities appreciated by some discerning souls as sources of spiritual inspiration and guidance, were thrown out, hidden away, censored, or forgotten. As it says in George Orwell's 1984, those who control the present control the past, and those who control the past, those who control the past control the future. Or that was the plan, at least. But sometimes, you know, things don't always stay buried. The winds of change. It says in a Greek edition of the Gospel of Thomas, Know what is in front of your face, and what is hidden from you will be revealed to you. For there is nothing hidden that will not be revealed, nor anything buried which will not be raised. In December of 1945, a collection of ancient scriptures was unearthed was raised near the village of Nag Hammadi in Egypt. These texts had been placed in a clay storage jar, a sealed jar, and buried sometime during the 4th century AD. They most likely were hidden there at the time by monks who lived at a nearby monastery founded by St. Pacomius. They would have been sacred texts once copied and preserved by monks as part of the Pacomian Library the library of this monastic community about a mile away from the Nag Hammadi discovery site, one of several Pacomian monasteries operating in Egypt during those days. Most Nag Hammadi scholars suspect that after the monastery received the above-mentioned infamous 
Easter letter from Athanasius in 367, they decided to hide away these particular books. For all we know, there could be more writings in other clay jars that remain hidden and lost. There have been many such discoveries of ancient Coptic texts made in, around, in the walls of, or nearby, various monasteries in Egypt. Monasteries are where the libraries are, and monks are the ones who do the copying. This almost 2,000-year-old time capsule, now known as the Nag Hammadi Library, has set in motion a spiritual revolution. Buried under the sands of Egypt for centuries, these censored and forgotten scriptures from the early years of Christianity are imparting to spiritual seekers of today knowledge of several spiritual traditions that once existed in the West. This ancient library contains spiritual discourses from Jesus, the Gospel of Thomas, also Dialogue of the Savior, James the Just, the brother and spiritual successor of Christ, Hermetic teachings, as in Hermes Trismegistus, or Corpus Hermeticum, also Jewish mysticism, or Gnosis, known as Sethianism, the Sethians, Valentinian Gnostics, a Gnostic Christian denomination founded by Valentinus of Alexandria, author of the Gospel of Truth, Pythagorean, and other spiritual movements. What has been returned to us are the teachings of various Gnostics and other mystics who initiated their students into the mysteries of the kingdom of light and wrote down descriptions of their otherworldly journeys into inner space, the kingdom of the heavens, or kingdom of God. One of the most read and discussed books of the Nag Hammadi Library discovery is the Gospel of Thomas, a collection of the wisdom sayings of Jesus on gaining enlightenment. Instead of a wafer-thin New Testament at the end of a very long old covenant of wars and conflict, how about a huge collection of literature including poetry? Some of the twelve surviving codices of the Nag Hammadi or Gnostic Gospels are organized with a curious New Testament-like format of Gospels, followed by letters or spiritual discourses or treatises, and then books of revelation, heavenly apocalypses. These revelations consist of the visionary or out-of-body encounters by various saints, soul-traveling through several different heavenly realms of consciousness. The word apocalypse actually just refers to a revelation, seeing visions of the heavens. So it's not really abused for purposes pertaining to politics, like we find those commenting on the book of Revelation in the New Testament, talking about newspaper headlines, interpreting political events as the fulfillment of prophecy. Even the book of Revelation in the New Testament, like these other apocalypses, basically is about someone being drawn up into the heavens, seeing visions of angels gathered around the throne of God. Reporting back, recording descriptions of these otherworldly journeys, very much like the books of Enoch, the Ascension of Isaiah, the book of Second Esdras, and various Nag Hammadi Gnostic texts, descriptions of heavenly realms, out-of-body journeys or soul travel through several different heavenly realms, gaining revelations of the worlds beyond. That's what the word apocalypse actually 
means. The Gnostics are rising again, or at least some portion of their teachings. I'm not sure if it's possible to really get back an extinct mystical tradition like Gnosticism once it's gone. It becomes just a matter of speculation as to what their meditation techniques were like. My solution is to study other living mystical traditions in the world, like the Sant tradition of India and the Sufis and Kabbalah, to see how they conduct themselves, to look for parallels between living mystical schools and this past school of mysticism called Gnosticism, the Gnostics. The fall and rise of the Gnostics this week on Spiritual Awakening Radio. Stay tuned for more after these messages. Welcome back to Spiritual Awakening Radio here on HealthyLife.net. I'm James Bean with you every week at this time, exploring the world of spirituality, comparative religion, and books, East and West. Visit my website, SpiritualAwakeningRadio.com, where you can access blogs, various articles, podcasts of past shows, social media where you can read daily spiritual quotes, Lots there at the website, spiritualawakeningradio.com. I also have a donate button at the website, spiritualawakeningradio.com. My email address, if you'd like to get in touch, james at spiritualawakeningradio.com. James at spiritualawakeningradio.com. Or send me a text message at 508 603 9381. 508 603 9381. Today's program is titled The Fall and Rise of the Gnostics. Music used on the program is by Paul Alexander John playing the Indian Bansuri bamboo flute. Indian classical ragas. Instead of a wafer-thin New Testament at the end of a very long Old Covenant, how about a huge collection of literature including poetry? Some of the 12 surviving codices of the Nag Hammadi or Gnostic Gospels are organized with a curious New Testament-like format of Gospels, followed by letters or spiritual discourses. Then, as I mentioned earlier, books of Revelation, heavenly apocalypses. These revelations consist of the visionary or out-of-body encounters by various saints, soul-traveling through several heavenly realms of consciousness. The Gospel of Thomas is a sayings gospel, a collection of the proverbs and parables of Christ about exploring the kingdom of the noetic heavens. The theme of these sutras of wisdom and parables is that the supreme being is light. Our soul is made of light. We are sparks of the divine. And that by contemplating the living light, we can re-enter paradise, find a present tense kingdom of God. The book of Thomas describes a Jesus who was, amongst other things, a spiritual teacher, a master, who taught that we have come from the light, 
from the place where the light came into being by itself. He said, there is a light within a person of light, and it shines on the whole world. And if one is whole, one will be filled with light. The Gospel of Thomas was missing for essentially two millennia until three copies of it were almost miraculously discovered several decades ago. Two sections of it written in Greek found at Oxyrhynchus, Egypt, and a more complete edition of the Coptic language edition of Thomas found near Nag Hammadi, also in the dry climate of Egypt where ancient writings survive, home of many exciting ancient discoveries. This hidden book has been found and now has its own homepage on the World Wide Web. The second coming of Jesus's wisdom sayings in the form of a book of Thomas has occurred. It is a resurrected or reincarnated book. The Gospel of the Gnostics reveal that some in antiquity around the Mediterranean and Mesopotamian regions were aware of inner light and sound, transcendental or spiritual seeing and inner hearing during meditation, also inner realms or heavens, charged words, mantras, sacred names, some of them believed in reincarnation, and followed a format of initiation, the need to be initiated into the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven by a living guide, a living teacher. Ingredients of a living Gnostic path that are present in the Nag Hammadi texts. Some of these sound very Eastern, but were once very much at home in the Western world as well, going back to the time of Plato and Pythagoras. In the Corpus Hermeticum, and Nag Hammadi scriptures are described all of the ingredients of a living, viable, spiritual path. One, living guides, living teachers, living masters with students. It's hard to be a student if there is no teacher. Saying 17 of the Gospel of Thomas, I will give you what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no hand has touched, and what has never occurred to the human mind. Past masters, dusty scrolls, cuneiform tablets, or old scriptures are not enough. A competent, living teacher is required. If one is fending for themselves, trying to figure out the wisdom of the universe based on some ancient scrolls, they might miss the most important things of all. They might not be up to the task of being their own guru. They might need to have a teacher. If there is no teacher... There is no classroom, and there are no students. Two, a cosmology of several heavens, inner regions, planes, spheres, are in the matrix. In the Essene writings, we find books of Enoch, which describe Enoch's ascension through several different heavens. And this is also the case with Gnostic texts and Hermetic writings, such as the Discourse on the Eighth and Ninth Heavens. They didn't believe in one or two heavens, but a whole series of heavens, many different heavenly regions. Three, an understanding that souls can access these realms here and now during this present life, the living present. They had a present tense kingdom of heaven available to souls right now. And that's a major theme of the Gospel of Thomas. Not a spirituality postponed until some magical date on the calendar rolls around or a hypothesized uh, future age. 
the Gnostics were not about running out the clock, wait, waiting for a political kingdom of heaven to be voted into office or something like that, or some future, uh, you know, uh, 11 minutes past 11 on November the 11th, uh, 2011, or some future date on the calendar. They didn't look to calendars to save them from their own human nature. They had a spiritual practice, and they could access a present tense kingdom of heaven available right now, like radio waves, like infrared and ultraviolet. It's all around us if we can learn how to see and learn how to hear. Four, they had an initiation into the mysteries of the heavens, imparting to spiritual seekers the contemplative techniques and sacred names for meditation practice. After the break, more of these hallmarks of a living mystical path, the ingredients found in the Gnostic Gospels that describe what these individuals were attempting to experience, what their goals were. You're hearing Spiritual Awakening Radio, The Fall and Rise of the Gnostics. Stay tuned. Alexander John, featuring Indian classical ragas on Spiritual Awakening Radio quite frequently. The Fall and Rise of the Gnostics is my focus on this week's program. Before the break, I was starting to describe some of the themes present in the Gnostic writings. And this is true of Neoplatonic thought, Pythagoreans, the Western mystic schools of spirituality and is true of Sant Mat, Kabbalah, and Sufism as well. They sound very Eastern, but they're very much at the heart of Western mysticism also. The ingredients of a living spiritual path that are present in the Nag Hammadi texts or Gnostic Gospels. One, living masters or living teachers. It's not enough for students just to figure things out on their own left to fend for themselves to keep reinventing the wheel all the time, ignoring the wisdom of the ages. Living teachers, living Sherpa guides can guide souls up the mountain of enlightenment. Two, a cosmology, a view that there are several different heavens, several different heavenly realms that exist. Three, an understanding that souls can access these heavens here and now, that heaven's not just for dead people, but that living people in the living present can access something of these realms right now. We can access the kingdom of heaven right now by going within through a contemplative meditation practice. We don't need to keep looking to some new theory about the end of the world or calendar date or hypothesized future age. We can go about living our lives, including spiritual life. Four, there is present in the Gnostic texts, descriptions of an initiation into the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, imparting to spiritual seekers the meditation techniques and sacred names. Basically, that just means teaching people how to meditate according to a way that opens up these secrets of the heavens. Five, visionary and auditory mysticism, inner light and sound, spiritual seeing and hearing, 
descriptions of souls traveling within various inner regions, describing visions of light, beautiful heavenly music, angelic choirs, and different levels or stages that one encounters on the journey within. Six, they have an ethical code, and this ethical foundation includes a vegetarian diet, a belief in nonviolence or pacifism, peace in thought, word and deed. See the vegetarian prayer of thanksgiving found in the Nag Hammadi Library. And seven, the goal of the teachings and meditation practice is experiencing direct union with God, not just in the future, but again, in the living present. This is from the Gospel of Thomas. If your spiritual guides say to you, look, the divine realm is in the sky, well, then the birds will get there ahead of you. If they say it is in the sea, then the fish will precede you. No, divine reality exists inside and all around you. Only when you have come to know your true self will you be fully known, realizing at last that you are a child of the living one. That's a version of the Gospel of Thomas, one of the sayings from Thomas, from the book, The Gospel of Thomas, Wisdom of the Twin, by Lynn Bauman, published by White Cloud Press. Incarnation. That which is formless takes on a physical shape, so we may know it. God becomes a human being so that human beings can become God. The purpose of life is spiritual realization. We can come to know ourselves as spiritual beings. Even in this world, we don't need to run out the clock and look to theories and and get caught up in these distractions. We can enter into the divine through a spiritual practice in this present moment. This is from the Corpus Hermeticum. It says, If anyone has an incorporeal eye, let them go forth from the body to behold the beautiful. Let them fly up and float aloft, not seeking to see shape or color, but rather that by which these things are made, that which is quiet and calm, stable and changeless, that which is one, that which issues from itself and is contained in itself, which is nothing like but itself. A fragment from Hermetica, translated by Sir Walter Scott. People, where are you rushing so intoxicated and having fully so drunk the strong wine of reasoning unaccompanied by gnosis or acquaintance? You cannot hold it. Already you are about to throw it up. Stop, get sober, look up with the eyes of the mind or heart or soul. And if you cannot all do so, at least those of you who can. For the imperfection that comes from unacquaintance or lack of gnosis is flooding the entire earth corrupting the soul along with the body that encloses it and preventing it from putting in at the haven of safety. So do not all be swept away by this main current. Rather, those of you who can must avail yourselves of a countercurrent. Take to the haven of safety. Put in there. 
and look for a leader, a teacher, to show you the way to the doors of gnosis or acquaintance, where there is bright light, pure from darkness, where no one is intoxicated but all are sober, fixing their eyes on that being who wills to be seen, but mentally with the eye of the soul, for that being cannot be heard or told of or seen by physical eyes, only by the mind's eye, the eye of the soul. That's a passage from the Corpus Hermeticum of Egypt, very much related or a cousin to the Gnostic Gospels, writings attributed to Hermes Trismegistus, or I should say the Hermes Trismegistus school of spirituality, which once existed in Egypt, from a hermetic tractate called The Greatest Human Evil is Unacquaintance with God, translated by Bentley Layton in his book, The Gnostic Scriptures, published by Doubleday Books. Stay tuned for more spiritual awakening after these messages. The fall and rise of the Gnostics continues. Spiritual Awakening Radio is heard every week at this time. I present an exploration of the world of spirituality, comparative religion, and books. This week, the fall and rise of the Gnostics. The fall and rise of the Gnostics, an ancient group of mystics from the Western world. Actually, there are many different kinds of Gnostics, different schools of Gnosticism. It's an umbrella term like Christianity or Shia or Sunni or Buddhism, referring to not just one, but many different spiritual movements or sects or denominations, call them what you will. There were the Sethians, a Jewish Gnostic group devoted to a figure by the name of Seth. They're one of the earliest Gnostic groups, in fact, suggesting a Jewish origin, in fact, of Gnosticism. There were the Mandaeans, followers of John the Baptist that never signed up to Christianity, but remained a separate movement. They were out there. They have scriptures in the Aramaic language, a dialect of Aramaic known as Mandaic. There were the Valentinians. The Valentinians were founded by Valentinus of Alexandria, author of a most eloquent Gnostic gospel called The Gospel of Truth, one of my favorite. It was as if it was translated into French from Coptic and then into English. It's a very eloquent, very beautiful, poetic kind of text called The Gospel of Truth. There is the Hermetic school of thought, attributing many writings, uh, or many people wrote under the pen name Hermes Trismegistus in Egypt at one time named after the Egyptian god of wisdom, Voth, Hermes, Trismegistus, and the Corpus Hermeticum, many hermetic texts 
have been found, including some amongst the Nag Hammadi discovery. You can read most of these Gnostic Gospels for free online. There are several different libraries. I've actually created a library of my own online, and I can send you a link to it. I have at my Gnostic page links to many, many books. Gnostic texts, of course, online. You can read all of the Nag Hammadi books, various translations of the Gospel of Thomas, the Gospel of Mary Magdalene, Peace to Sophia, the Bruce Codex, many Gnostic writings. I also include some Eastern Orthodox mystical texts, such as the Philokalia, Volumes 1 through 5, the Wisdom of Evagrius, one of the great monks of Egypt from many centuries ago, Syriac texts, Syriac fathers on prayer and the spiritual life, the Syriac mystics of the East, Many writings, Meister Eckhart, countless uh, Christian mystics and Gnostic texts, and interesting writings, the lesser known, the invisible, the forgotten scriptures and mystical classics or spiritual classics of the Western world. Send me an email or a text message, and I will send you a link to my library of Western Gnostic contemplative writings online. And... I also include links to other libraries as well. So lots of free stuff you can access on the World Wide Web. Send me an email requesting my Gnostic link. My address is james at spiritualawakeningradio.com or send me a text message at 508-603-9381. 508-603-9381. Following the dictates of the mind, the demiurge, the Kal Naringen, the lord of the matrix, the mind plane of the universal mind that knows some things thinks it knows everything, but does not know and perceive everything. The mind is limited and is trapped in its own matrix and seeks to keep souls trapped in this matrix as well. In the sacred city of Benares, the great Saint Kabir Sahib used to visit a man who liked to pass his day sitting in his garden. Kabir urged him to spend his time improving himself by engaging in his spiritual practices. At first, this man replied, My children are still young. I will turn to the devotion of God when they have grown up. Years later, Kabir noticed the man again, came up to him and asked the man, Dear friend, you surely must be enjoying your meditation practices now. The man replied, You see, I am waiting for all my children to be married. Then I will devote myself entirely to meditation. Later, when Kabir went to visit the man again, he asked, Now that all your children are married, how fortunate you are. Are you, are you really spending your time in meditation? The man's reply was, Not yet, because I am so keen to see my grandchildren grow up and get settled. Some years later, when Kabir again went to see his friend, he was told that the man had died. Kabir, turning to the grandchildren, said, That poor man wasted his whole life in this garden, listening to the orders of his worldly mind. A great story 
often told in satsangs from India about how the mind limits us. We don't have the time to meditate because our priorities lie elsewhere. As it says in the Gospel of Thomas, come into being as you pass away. That's saying 42, Yeshua, Gospel of Thomas, Lynn Bauman translation. Come into being as you pass away. Through contemplative meditation, we can get in touch with ourselves. We can come into an awareness, a self-realization, an awareness of our spiritual self or divine being. Through meditation, we can come into being here and now. During this life, we can examine ourselves and discover our spiritual essence and become a Gnostic. As it also says in the Nag Hammadi scriptures, if you seek with perfect seeking, then you shall know the good that is in you. Then you shall know yourself as well as one who derives from the God who truly pre-exists. Passage from the book of Eleganus, the stranger in a strange land. Thanks for listening to this week's edition of Spiritual Awakening Radio on the fall and rise of the Gnostics. It's time for Spiritual Awakening Radio. This week's program is titled The Fall and Rise of the Gnostics. Spiritual Awakening Radio explores the world of spirituality, comparative religion, world scriptures, and other books that matter, East and West, God Meditation, Near-Death Experiences, The Vegan Diet, and other Ahimsa ethics of nonviolence and thought, word, and deed. Education for a more peaceful planet. Freedom of the airwaves. It's unhealthy in a democracy for the media, including radio, to be dominated by one or two religious voices, as if they are the only ones that exist, and no other faith community or point of view matters. If the religion-spirituality section of a bookstore was like the radio airwaves are in most places, only one or two books would be found on the shelves. The shelves would be mostly bare, covered in dust. No longer being content with the empty silence, I began recording my own programs. My mission statement. There's not just one religion. There are thousands. After years of being concerned that too few voices, too few points of view were getting heard when it comes to spiritual paths and world religions, that the radio airwaves were not reflecting the diversity that really exists, I started producing my own programs, exploring the world of spirituality, comparative religion, meditation, mysticism, and books bringing to the airwaves the gentle voices of saints, the wisdom of masters or mystics, world scriptures, sacred texts, the great spiritual traditions and classics of the East and the West. My name is James Bean. Welcome to Spiritual Awakening Radio. My website is at this address, spiritualawakeningradio.com. There you'll find links to podcasts of past shows, 
articles and blogs, links to social media where you can read daily spiritual quotes and announcements about upcoming shows or newly available podcasts on demand. There's a donate button on the website and lots of resources. I have an online library of sacred texts, including Gnostic Gospels. The Fall and Rise of the Gnostics as we explore the world religions on this week's Spiritual Awakening Radio. I suppose I chose the title of this program, The Fall and Rise of the Gnostics, based on an old British sitcom or Britcom from many decades ago called The Fall and Rise of Reginald Perrin, which was very funny, very much along the same line as Monty Python's Flying Circus and Faulty Towers. Catch it if you can, if it's on Netflix or somewhere out there. It's a great series, The Fall and Rise of Reginald Perrin. As for The Fall and Rise of the Gnostics, as I begin by addressing the fall of the Gnostics and this long, dark slog through the matrix of history, orchestrated by an iron hand of fate and its oppressive archon rulers, I do promise, dear listeners, there is light beyond. There is a light beyond, a rising of the Gnostics again, for those brave souls that keep listening. Mother India has long been a place of refuge for countless religions and ethnic communities, an oasis where schools of spirituality have had the luxury of existing long enough to develop some fairly advanced yogic and meditation techniques for the purpose of exploring the Atman, the higher self, the divine spark. Some of the world's oldest sacred texts articulating their wisdom preserved in the libraries of Jainism, Hinduism, and Buddhism have been read by countless millions over the ages, over the eons. India has had its share of invading armies and difficulties, of course, but what a difference a few thousand years can make if souls are free to openly follow their path. Amongst the thriving population are even some Gnostic survivors and refugees, and other refugees who travel to India to be free to practice their faith, the faith of their ancestors, including even some Farsis, some devotees of Zoroaster from Iran, also Thomas Christians from Syria, the Syriac Church of the East, the Nestorians and Manichaeans relocating from the Silk Road. In the West, unfortunately, mystical movements, in some cases, could only function secretly behind closed doors, only had at best a few years, decades, or on a couple of blessed occasions, a century or two of freedom, before Thor's hammer would come crashing down. We have a nightmare history written by the victors in praise of the victors, celebrating the defeat of the heretics, quote-unquote. Old patterns of not respecting religious freedom and human rights continue up to the living present. The legacy of oppression and dying lives on. Even as I speak, in Iraq and Syria, there are many minority communities under siege being targeted, just like in the old days, only in places like Iraq and Syria, being targeted for genocide by warrior fanatics. Kurds, the Yazidis, 
a fascinating sect with Gnostic roots, also currently under duress and persecution. Syrian Orthodox Christians and other forms of Syrian, Armenian, or Nestorian Christianity, with their ancient monastic libraries to preserve. The Sabaeans are also under siege, also known as the Mandaean Gnostics, members of various Shia sects and Sufi groups, to name a few. All of these are being hunted, being threatened with genocide. Sabaean Mandaeans face extinction as a people as their small community is scattered throughout the world. Sabaean Mandaeans' ancient language, culture, and religion face the threat of extinction. In 2006, UNESCO listed the Sabaean Mandaean language in its Atlas of the World Languages in danger of disappearing. Since the outbreak of violence in 2003, most Sabaean Mandaeans have either fled the country or have been killed. Today, there are fewer than 5,000 remaining Mandaeans in Iraq. As Christians, Armenians have also found themselves targeted in the recent insurgency of extremist Islamic State, or ISIS, forces. A joint letter by Armenian organizations back in September of 2014 reported that as many as 200,000 Assyrians had been displaced from towns and villages in the Nineveh Plain in northern Iraq as a result of ISIS terrorists. That's from the MinorityRights.org website about human rights. The website of the Minority Rights Group International provides regular updates about the Yazidis, Assyrian, Armenian, and Chaldean Christian communities, and several other groups currently being targeted by extremists of the wrathful tribal demiurge and unforgiving god of death have known also in the West in centuries gone by. Some religions of the West and East were originally founded roughly at about the same time, 2,000 or 2,500 years ago. And yet some Western counterpart faith communities seem so much younger, still at earlier stages of development, as the wheel keeps needing to be reinvented again and again. There have been holocausts, so many persecutions, prosecutions, pogroms, so many pogroms and ethnic cleansings, Gnostic cleansing, inquisitions, crusades, book burnings, even spectacular library burnings and burials, schisms, show trials of beleaguered heretics, and the burnings of countless innocent at the stake of bad religion. Not only during medieval times, but going all the way back to the days of the Roman Empire and its occupation of Palestine, we find violence and religious intolerance being accepted as the norm, even by those claiming to represent the pious. One day, during 68 AD, over the hills came the Roman legions to raid the Essene headquarters at Qumran, near the Dead Sea. Now removed from the scene, the Essenes were once another whole branch of Judaism. Close to the ruins of Qumran, near the Dead Sea, is, location, is the location where the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered, the Dead Sea Scriptures, the Dead Sea Scrolls Bible. Several decades ago, those writings were found in various caves, hidden away, 
after some sometime during the first century AD by the Essenes, who knew their days were numbered. Not merely once, not only twice, but on at least three separate occasions, angry mobs have burned the brain and internet of the ancient world, known as the Great Library of Alexandria in Egypt, which only can be described as a tragic lobotomy on a planetary scale. Politicians usually have very little interest in enlightenment, spirituality, much less good scholarship. Eventually, for political reasons, an emperor decided to make himself the ruler of Christianity, a state-church breach amounting to an occupation of another religion, only this time from within. Israel was once occupied from without, now Christianity became occupied from within. The new official religion of the Roman Empire's war on its own Gnostics, mystics, quietists, minority sects, indigenous apostolic churches, representing various regions, Ebionites, Valentinians, Sethians, Manichaeans, Cathars, Bogomils, and other so-called heretics, unfortunately was largely successful. These groups have been disappeared. Innovative spiritual movements were declared to be heretical, bad people. Informed they could no longer hold any public gatherings. Everyone was supposed to join the one official church of the empire. Brilliant minds fell out of favor, their voices silenced. During a time in Egypt when heresy hunters were engaging in Gnostic cleansing throughout the land, a hardline bishop in Alexandria issued an edict, Athanasius's infamous Festal Letter of 367 A.D., proclaiming that, out of the hundreds of sacred texts read during those days, from that point forward, only 27 New Testament books were officially to be recognized. The rest of the Gospels, Acts, Revelations, and other scriptures were to be removed from circulation, discarded, and forever banned. The process of creating an official canon of approved books and creating lists of banned and damned books to be rejected was not simply about scholars figuring out which books were genuine and getting people to discard other books. Rather, there was a political motive behind it. What was going on was those following one particular interpretation of Christianity, asserting themselves over all, over everyone, by purging the majority of religious and mystical texts in circulation, keeping them out of circulation, keeping only a small percentage of books that seemed helpful to their cause of unity under a single religious franchise for the empire. Scores of the Upanishads and sutras of the Western world, poetry, prayers, psalms, masterfully written spiritual discourses, a wonderful treasure trove of Judeo-Christian and Hermetic literature, representing a multiverse of possibilities appreciated by some discerning souls as sources of spiritual inspiration and guidance, were thrown out, hidden away, censored, or forgotten. As it says in George Orwell's 1984, 
Those who control the present control the past. And those who control the past, those who control the past, control the future. Or that was the plan, at least. But sometimes, you know, things don't always stay buried. The winds of change. It says in a Greek edition of the Gospel of Thomas, Know what is in front of your face, and what is hidden from you will be revealed to you. For there is nothing hidden that will not be revealed, nor anything buried which will not be raised. In December of 1945, a collection of ancient scriptures was unearthed, was raised near the village of Nag Hammadi in Egypt. These texts had been placed in a clay storage jar, a sealed jar, and buried sometime during the 4th century A.D. They most likely were hidden there at the time by monks who lived at a nearby monastery founded by St. Pacomius. They would have been sacred texts once copied and preserved by monks as part of the Pacomian Library, the library of this monastic community about a mile away from the Nag Hammadi discovery site, one of several Pacomian monasteries operating in Egypt during those days. Most Nag Hammadi scholars suspect that after the monastery received the above-mentioned infamous Easter letter from Athanasius in 367, they decided to hide away these particular books. For all we know, there could be more writings in other clay jars that remain hidden and lost. There have been many such discoveries of ancient Coptic texts made in, around, in the walls of, or nearby, various monasteries in Egypt. Monasteries are where the libraries are, and monks are the ones who do the copying. This almost 2,000-year-old time capsule, now known as the Nag Hammadi Library, has set in motion a spiritual revolution. Buried under the sands of Egypt for centuries, these censored and forgotten scriptures from the early years of Christianity are imparting to spiritual seekers of today knowledge of several spiritual traditions that once existed in the West. This ancient library contains spiritual discourses from Jesus, the Gospel of Thomas, also Dialogue of the Savior, James the Just, the brother and spiritual successor of Christ, Hermetic teachings, as in Hermes Trismegistus, or Corpus Hermeticum, also Jewish mysticism, or Gnosis, known as Sethianism, the Sethians, Valentinian Gnostics, a Gnostic Christian denomination founded by Valentinus of Alexandria, author of the Gospel of Truth, Pythagorean, and other spiritual movements. What has been returned to us are the teachings of various Gnostics and other mystics who initiated their students into the mysteries of the kingdom of light and wrote down descriptions of their otherworldly journeys into inner space, the kingdom of the heavens, or kingdom of God. One of the most read and discussed books of the Nag Hammadi Library Discovery is the Gospel of Thomas, a collection of the wisdom sayings of Jesus on gaining enlightenment. Instead of a wafer-thin New Testament at the end of a very long old covenant of wars and conflict, how about a huge collection of literature including poetry, 
Some of the 12 surviving codices of the Nag Hammadi or Gnostic Gospels are organized with a curious New Testament-like format of Gospels, followed by letters or spiritual discourses or treatises, and then books of Revelation, heavenly apocalypses. These revelations consist of the visionary or out-of-body encounters by various saints, soul-traveling through several different heavenly realms of consciousness. The word apocalypse actually just refers to a revelation, seeing visions of the heavens. So it's not really abused for purposes pertaining to politics like we find those commenting on the book of Revelation in the New Testament talking about newspaper headlines interpreting political events as the fulfillment of prophecy. Even the book of Revelation in the New Testament, like these other apocalypses, basically is about someone being drawn up into the heavens, seeing visions of angels gathered around the throne of God. Reporting back, recording descriptions of these otherworldly journeys, very much like the books of Enoch, the Ascension of Isaiah, the book of Second Esdras, and various Nag Hammadi Gnostic texts, descriptions of heavenly realms, out-of-body journeys or soul travel through several different heavenly realms, gaining revelations of the worlds beyond. That's what the word apocalypse actually means. The Gnostics are rising again, or at least some portion of their teachings. I'm not sure if it's possible to really get back an extinct mystical tradition like Gnosticism once it's gone. It becomes just a matter of speculation as to what their meditation techniques were like. My solution is to study other living mystical traditions in the world, like the Sant tradition of India and the Sufis and Kabbalah, to see how they conduct themselves, to look for parallels between living mystical schools and this past school of mysticism called Gnosticism, the Gnostics. The fall and rise of the Gnostics this week on Spiritual Awakening Radio. Stay tuned for more after these messages. Welcome back to Spiritual Awakening Radio here on HealthyLife.net. I'm James Bean with you every week at this time, exploring the world of spirituality, comparative religion, and books, East and West. Visit my website, SpiritualAwakeningRadio.com, where you can access blogs, various articles, podcasts of past shows, social media where you can read daily spiritual quotes, Lots there at the website, spiritualawakeningradio.com. I also have a donate button at the website, spiritualawakeningradio.com. My email address, if you'd like to get in touch, james at spiritualawakeningradio.com. james at spiritualawakeningradio.com. Or send me a text message at 508-603-9381. Five zero eight six zero three nine three eight one. 
508-603-9381. Today's program is titled, The Fall and Rise of the Gnostics. Music used on the program is by Paul Alexander John, playing the Indian Bansuri bamboo flute. Indian classical ragas. Instead of a wafer-thin New Testament at the end of a very long Old Covenant, how about a huge collection of literature, including poetry? Some of the twelve surviving codices of the Nag Hammadi, or Gnostic Gospels, are organized with a curious New Testament-like format of Gospels, followed by letters, or spiritual discourses. Then, as I mentioned earlier, books of Revelation, heavenly apocalypses, These revelations consist of the visionary or out-of-body encounters by various saints, soul-traveling through several heavenly realms of consciousness. The Gospel of Thomas is a sayings gospel, a collection of the Proverbs and parables of Christ about exploring the kingdom of the noetic heavens. The theme of these sutras of wisdom and parables is that the supreme being is light. Our soul is made of light. We are sparks of the divine. And that by contemplating the living light, we can re-enter paradise, find a present tense kingdom of God. The book of Thomas describes a Jesus who was, amongst other things, a spiritual teacher, a master, who taught that we have come from the light, from the place where the light came into being by itself. He said, there is a light within a person of light, and it shines on the whole world. And if one is whole, one will be filled with light. The Gospel of Thomas was missing for essentially two millennia until three copies of it were almost miraculously discovered several decades ago. Two sections of it written in Greek found at Oxyrhynchus, Egypt, and a more complete edition of the Coptic language edition of Thomas found near Nag Hammadi, also in the dry climate of Egypt where ancient writings survive, home of many exciting ancient discoveries. This hidden book has been found and now has its own homepage on the World Wide Web. The second coming of Jesus' wisdom sayings in the form of a book of Thomas has occurred. It is a resurrected or reincarnated book. The Gospel of the Gnostics reveal that some in antiquity around the Mediterranean and Mesopotamian regions were aware of inner light and sound, transcendental or spiritual seeing and inner hearing during meditation. Also inner realms or heavens, charged words, mantras, sacred names, some of them believed in reincarnation and followed a format of initiation, the need to be initiated into the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven by a living guide, a living teacher. Ingredients of a living Gnostic path that are present in the Nag Hammadi texts. Some of these sound very Eastern, but were once very much at home in the Western world as well, going back to the time of Plato and Pythagoras. In the Corpus Hermeticum, and Nag Hammadi scriptures are described all of the ingredients of a living, viable, spiritual path. One, living guides, living teachers, living masters, with students. It's hard to be a student if there is no teacher. Saying 17 of the Gospel of Thomas, I will give you what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no hand has touched, 
and what has never occurred to the human mind. Past masters, dusty scrolls, cuneiform tablets, or old scriptures are not enough. A competent, living teacher is required. If one is fending for themselves, trying to figure out the wisdom of the universe based on some ancient scrolls, they might miss the most important things of all. They might not be up to the task of being their own guru. They might need to have a teacher. If there is no teacher, there is no classroom, and there are no students. Two, a cosmology of several heavens, inner regions, planes, spheres, are in the matrix. In the Essene writings, we find books of Enoch, which describe Enoch's ascension through several different heavens. And this is also the case with Gnostic texts and Hermetic writings, such as the Discourse on the Eighth and Ninth Heavens. They didn't believe in one or two heavens, but a whole series of heavens, many different heavenly regions. Three, an understanding that souls can access these realms here and now, during this present life, the living present. They had a present tense kingdom of heaven available to souls right now. And that's a major theme of the Gospel of Thomas. Not a spirituality postponed until some magical date on the calendar rolls around, or a hypothesized uh, future age. The Gnostics were not about running out the clock, wait, waiting for a political kingdom of heaven to be voted into office or something like that, or some future, uh, you know, uh, 11 minutes past 11 on November the 11th, uh, 2011 or some future date on the calendar. They didn't look to calendars to save them from their own human nature. They had a spiritual practice, and they could access a present tense kingdom of heaven available right now, like radio waves, like infrared and ultraviolet. It's all around us if we can learn how to see and learn how to hear. Four, they had an initiation into the mysteries of the heavens, imparting to spiritual seekers the contemplative techniques and sacred names for meditation practice. After the break, more of these hallmarks of a living mystical path, the ingredients found in the Gnostic Gospels that describe what these individuals were attempting to experience, what their goals were. You're hearing Spiritual Awakening Radio, The Fall and Rise of the Gnostics. Stay tuned. Alexander John, featuring Indian classical ragas on Spiritual Awakening Radio quite frequently. The Fall and Rise of the Gnostics is my focus on this week's program. Before the break, I was starting to describe some of the themes present in the Gnostic writings. And this is true of Neoplatonic thought, Pythagoreans, the Western mystic schools of spirituality and is true of Sant Mat, Kabbalah, and Sufism as well. They sound very Eastern, but they're very much at the heart of Western mysticism also. 
the ingredients of a living spiritual path that are present in the Nag Hammadi texts or Gnostic Gospels. One, living masters or living teachers. It's not enough for students just to figure things out on their own, left to fend for themselves to keep reinventing the wheel all the time, ignoring the wisdom of the ages. Living teachers, living Sherpa guides can guide souls up the mountain of enlightenment. Two, a cosmology, a view that there are several different heavens, several different heavenly realms that exist. Three, an understanding that souls can access these heavens here and now, that heaven's not just for dead people, but that living people in the living present can access something of these realms right now. We can access the kingdom of heaven right now by going within through a contemplative meditation practice. We don't need to keep looking to some new theory about the end of the world or calendar date or hypothesized future age. We can go about living our lives, including spiritual life. Four, there is present in the Gnostic texts descriptions of an initiation into the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, imparting to spiritual seekers the meditation techniques and sacred names. Basically, that just means teaching people how to meditate according to a way that opens up these secrets of the heavens. Five, visionary and auditory mysticism, inner light and sound, spiritual seeing and hearing, descriptions of souls traveling within various inner regions, describing visions of light, beautiful heavenly music, angelic choirs, and different levels or stages that one encounters on the journey within. Six, they have an ethical code, and this ethical foundation includes a vegetarian diet, a belief in nonviolence or pacifism, peace and thought, word and deed. See the vegetarian prayer of thanksgiving found in the Nag Hammadi Library. And seven, the goal of the teachings and meditation practice is experiencing direct union with God, not just in the future, but again, in the living present. This is from the Gospel of Thomas. If your spiritual guides say to you, Look, the divine realm is in the sky. Well, then the birds will get there ahead of you. If they say it is in the sea, then the fish will precede you. No, divine reality exists inside and all around you. Only when you have come to know your true self will you be fully known realizing at last that you are a child of the living one. That's a version of the Gospel of Thomas, one of the sayings from Thomas, from the book, The Gospel of Thomas, Wisdom of the Twin, by Lynn Bauman, published by White Cloud Press. Incarnation. That which is formless takes on a physical shape, so we may know it. God becomes a human being so that human beings can become God. The purpose of life is spiritual realization. We can come to know ourselves as spiritual beings. Even in this world, we don't need to run out the clock and look to theories and, and get caught up in these distractions. We can enter into the divine through a spiritual practice. 
in this present moment. This is from the Corpus Hermeticum. It says, if anyone has an incorporeal eye, let them go forth from the body to behold the beautiful. Let them fly up and float aloft, not seeking to see shape or color, but rather that by which these things are made, that which is quiet and calm, stable and changeless, that which is one, that which issues from itself and is contained in itself, which is nothing like but itself. A fragment from Hermetica, translated by Sir Walter Scott. People, where are you rushing so intoxicated and having fully so drunk the strong wine of reasoning unaccompanied by gnosis or acquaintance? You cannot hold it. Already you are about to throw it up. Stop, get sober. Look up with the eyes of the mind or heart or soul. And if you cannot all do so, at least those of you who can. For the imperfection that comes from unacquaintance or lack of gnosis is flooding the entire earth, corrupting the soul along with the body that encloses it and preventing it from putting in at the haven of safety. So do not all be swept away by this main current. Rather, those of you who can must avail yourselves of a countercurrent. Take to the haven of safety, put in there, and look for a leader, a teacher, to show you the way to the doors of gnosis or acquaintance where there is bright light, pure from darkness, where no one is intoxicated, but all are sober, fixing their eyes on that being who wills to be seen, but mentally with the eye of the soul. For that being cannot be heard or told of or seen by physical eyes, only by the mind's eye, the eye of the soul. That's a passage from the Corpus Hermeticum of Egypt very much related or a cousin to the Gnostic Gospels, writings attributed to Hermes Trismegistus, or I should say the Hermes Trismegistus school of spirituality, which once existed in Egypt, from a hermetic tractate called The Greatest Human Evil is Unacquaintance with God, translated by Bentley Layton in his book The Gnostic Scriptures, published by Doubleday Books. Stay tuned for more spiritual awakening after these messages. The fall and rise of the Gnostics continues. Spiritual Awakening Radio is heard every week at this time. I present an exploration of the world of spirituality, comparative religion, and books. This week, the fall and rise of the Gnostics. The fall and rise of the Gnostics, an ancient group of mystics from the Western world. Actually, there are many different kinds of Gnostics, different schools of Gnosticism. 
It's an umbrella term like Christianity or Shia or Sunni or Buddhism, referring to not just one, but many different spiritual movements or sects or denominations, call them what you will. There were the Sethians, a Jewish Gnostic group devoted to a figure by the name of Seth. They're one of the earliest Gnostic groups, in fact, suggesting a Jewish origin, in fact, of Gnosticism. There were the Mandaeans, followers of John the Baptist that never signed up to Christianity, but remained a separate movement. They were out there. They have scriptures in the Aramaic language, a dialect of Aramaic known as Mandaic. There were the Valentinians. The Valentinians were founded by Valentinus of Alexandria, author of a most eloquent Gnostic gospel called the Gospel of Truth, one of my favorite. It was as if it was translated into French from Coptic and then into English. It's a very eloquent, very beautiful, poetic kind of text called the Gospel of Truth. There is the Hermetic school of thought, attributing many writings, uh, or many people wrote under the pen name Hermes Trismegistus in Egypt at one time, named after the Egyptian god of wisdom, Voth. Hermes Trismegistus and the Corpus Hermeticum. Many Hermetic texts have been found, including some amongst the Nag Hammadi discovery. You can read most of these Gnostic Gospels for free online. There are several different libraries. I've actually created a library of my own online, and I can send you a link to it. I have at my Gnostic page links to many, many books. Gnostic texts, of course, online. You can read all of the Nag Hammadi books, various translations of the Gospel of Thomas, the Gospel of Mary Magdalene. Peace to Sophia, the Bruce Codex, many Gnostic writings. I also include some Eastern Orthodox mystical texts, such as the Philokalia, Volumes 1 through 5, the Wisdom of Evagrius, one of the great monks of Egypt from many centuries ago, Syriac texts, Syriac Fathers on Prayer and the Spiritual Life, the Syriac Mystics of the East, Many writings, Meister Eckhart, countless uh, Christian mystics and Gnostic texts, and interesting writings, the lesser known, the invisible, the forgotten scriptures and mystical classics or spiritual classics of the Western world. Send me an email or a text message, and I will send you a link to my library of Western Gnostic contemplative writings online. And... I also include links to other libraries as well. So lots of free stuff you can access on the World Wide Web. Send me an email requesting my Gnostic link. My address is james at spiritualawakeningradio.com or send me a text message at 508-603-9381. 508-603-9381. Following the dictates of the mind, the demiurge, the Kal Naringen, the lord of the matrix, the mind plane of the universal mind that knows some things, thinks it knows everything, but does not know and perceive everything. 
The mind is limited and is trapped in its own matrix and seeks to keep souls trapped in this matrix as well. In the sacred city of Benares, the great Saint Kabir Sahib used to visit a man who liked to pass his day sitting in his garden. Kabir urged him to spend his time improving himself by engaging in his spiritual practices. At first, this man replied, My children are still young. I will turn to the devotion of God when they have grown up. Years later, Kabir noticed the man again, came up to him and asked the man, Dear friend, you surely must be enjoying your meditation practices now. The man replied, You see, I am waiting for all my children to be married. Then I will devote myself entirely to meditation. Later, when Kabir went to visit the man again, he asked, Now that all your children are married, how fortunate you are. Are you, are you really spending your time in meditation? The man's reply was, Not yet, because I am so keen to see my grandchildren grow up and get settled. Some years later, when Kabir again went to see his friend, he was told that the man had died. Kabir, turning to the grandchildren, said, That poor man wasted his whole life in this garden, listening to the orders of his worldly mind. A great story often told in satsangs from India about how the mind limits us. We don't have the time to meditate because our priorities lie elsewhere. As it says in the Gospel of Thomas, come into being as you pass away. That's saying 42, Yeshua, Gospel of Thomas, Lynn Bauman translation. Come into being as you pass away. Through contemplative meditation, we can get in touch with ourselves. We can come into an awareness, a self-realization, an awareness of our spiritual self or divine being. Through meditation, we can come into being here and now. During this life, we can examine ourselves and discover our spiritual essence and become a Gnostic. As it also says in the Nag Hammadi scriptures, if you seek with perfect seeking, then you shall know the good that is in you. Then you shall know yourself as well as one who derives from the God who truly pre-exists. Passage from the book of Elegenus, The Stranger in a Strange Land. Thanks for listening to this week's edition of Spiritual Awakening Radio on The Fall and Rise of the Gnostics. (laughs) 